Welcome to Preston's Super Show. Preston's Super Show. Great show lined up for us. Wow. Great show. Action-packed. We got a couple clips uh, later I'm going to play for you. Um, this is for your ride home. This is for your ride to work. This is for the people that work at home and maybe need something to listen to in the gym or just need something different from what they're getting everywhere else. We found the right show. Preston's Super Show. This is the Super Show. And we have a lot to talk about today. Trump signs new executive order. No one's giving him any credit. Uh, it's not many places you can find it in the mainstream news. But the bottom line is he's really pushed back on pharmaceutical companies that have flat out taken advantage of the customer. And put it lightly. Um, it's interesting to me that so many people don't want to see certain medicines capped when they have only continued to go up in price. And that is something where I feel like the Republicans <clears throat> and the Democrats get it wrong. And this is an issue that should be pretty simple. We shouldn't be allowing the pharmaceutical companies to keep enriching themselves off the backs of the people that absolutely need the medicine. Um, it's, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's some, it's some sticking point. The Republicans are walking a very thin line with, with this, but Trump breaks away from his party from time to time and really shows you, uh, his leadership. He shows you his leadership with this executive order. This is an executive order that everybody should be able to get behind. Um, it shouldn't be hard for both parties to come together on this issue. That's where the disconnect begins in the, in the show today. We'll start here. This is where the disconnect begins. They're mad when Trump's honest. They're mad when Trump's, uh, when they say, he, when they allegedly he's not being honest is what they say. All the different media types, the Fox News media complex, CNN, MSNBC, the rest. They're all in it together. I'm not saying they all hang out and go to the same barbecue. Um, but you'd be fooled to think they don't agree on one thing. And that's, they, that's that they don't like Donald Trump. They don't like Donald Trump. They've never liked Donald Trump. Now, Fox News at one time did. But now, it's Murdoch sons that are running that show over there, and things are changing. Fox News is going to look different. Won't be the number one news channel for long. There's many others that have entered the race uh, that can't compete on that level. One America News Network, Newsmax TV, America's Voice. A lot of different. The first, a lot of different. Unique news outlets, newsy. Um, there's a lot of different things that, that can compete with the modern day ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox News, CNN garbage. And they have to be on the up and up with you, the reader, their customer. 
But instead, they do this weird Marriott of different things to make you feel bad about supporting Trump. To make you feel bad for being an American. To make you feel bad for having faith, whatever that faith may be. It's a lot of guilt tripping going on in the media, the massive media complex. Not a fan of it. I listen to talk radio sparingly. And I've been a big fan of it my entire life, but I listen to it more sparingly now than I ever have. And that's because it's getting so close to any election. And I have to be different. You don't, you don't want to sound like other people. You don't want to sound like other shows. This is the super show, baby. We get it rolling over here. So this executive order Trump signs. He's not getting any credit for it. Even from Republicans, they've completely washed it away. They'd rather tell you about Biden and his basement. They'd rather talk to you about um, other things that really have no bearing on your life. They don't want to talk about something that hits home. They don't want to talk about something that hits right at your doorstep. This executive order lowers prescription drug prices by putting America first. It was a, was a quote by Trump. By putting America first. When do you remember a president that used that phrase? When do you remember a president that went out on a limb? Not only to make sure that the pandemic was was quashed. And he's working on that now. Behind the scenes. After he was out in front for so long. Which I have no issue with. The man has a lot to do, and anybody in this position would have a lot to do, you would assume. This is executive order comes two months after the president signed a different executive order with the exact same name, but held it back to see if he could negotiate a better deal with drug companies. This is from the NPR, NPR.org. Tamara Keith wrote this piece. It's a very good piece. You go on NPR.org to read this. Tamara Keith is the one who uh, who's wrote this, published this. And the Republicans have this weird mentality towards NPR. And I get it. They lean left. NPR leans left. If you go through their work, they do lean left. But there's a lot of good information that NPR offers that if you don't go and look into it for yourself, you're just going to be believing what other people are telling you. You're going to be spoon fed, whether it's the Republicans and the conservative think tanks or the progressive evil machine think tanks whatever it is they can distort your mentality you don't want to do that go find out for yourself go read it for yourself npr.org is a great site to get information from a news from so after two months the president signs the different executive order same name he wanted to negotiate a better deal with the drug companies who else negotiated is is even trying to negotiate with the drug companies it wasn't obama and biden it wasn't eight years of that ticket. Never happened. Good luck finding a story about that. This new executive order repeals the original executive order and expands the drugs covered by Trump's proposed most favored nations. This includes Medicare Parts D, B, and D, which I'm sure if you have someone uh, older in your family, they have. 
Medicare Part B and D. And they probably fought like hell to get it. Medicare would refuse to pay more for drugs than the lower prices paid by other developed nations. It is unacceptable that Americans pay more for the exact same drugs, often made in the exact same places, the executive order declares. The drug industry automatically came after Trump for this. If the drug companies are going after the president for this issue, it has to be good. Because when have the drug companies ever came to us, right, and said, wow, we got a great deal for you on your medicine. Here's this great deal for you. No, it's usually the pharmacy that can do that if they do. Like Meyer Pharmacy was really good about it. Um, when I would have to get my mother's medicine. Um, there's different things like that. But I don't look at uh, the drug companies as somebody that uh, does honest business or good business. No, what they do is like a lot of companies and corporations, it's shifty. I would say it's shady because I don't want to knock them too hard, even though they've been raking us over the coals for so long. I try to be fair. The show's about being fair, fostering healthier discussions. And keeping that in mind, healthier discussions. Well, to get healthier discussions, we have to have healthy people. So we're supposed to have this uh, this idea, this truth that we all want each other to be better. Well, why don't the drug companies want that for us? Because they're too busy filling their fat pockets. I mean, it's not that hard to see people. You have a president, he's fighting for you. He's doing things. Things you probably never heard of. I have a whole bookmark folder of President Trump. Whenever President Trump's done something, I have a bookmark folder and it is filled. You have to tab down through it because he's done so much for this country and this nation. And this economy was rolling so good before this COVID-19 happened, which I don't blame him for. He didn't infect people with the virus. He wasn't going around coughing and sneezing on people. Look, the Democrats have this so twisted up. Anything they can do right now to get over on our president, their president, they will do. And don't think any other way around it. This executive order calls on Health and Human Services Secretary to immediately take appropriate steps to implement this rulemaking plan to test a payment model. So here's the payment model, putting it in place. The ball's rolling on this now. A lot of people are chiming in on this, but one thing is for certain. President Trump, remember this, President Trump came up with an executive order, held the executive order back to allow the drug companies to make their case so that he could negotiate a better deal with them. They backed off. They didn't want to negotiate a better deal. Instead, they wanted you to, they want us to keep paying the high prices on their medicine so they can stay rich 
and keep them in business forever and what uh generations of wealth and wealth and more wealth while the poor get poor and then trump puts the executive order in he says enough is enough i've given you time giving you more time than i should have you failed to do your job and negotiate and compromise and give something up the people have been giving up plenty for you for your companies enough is enough so again here's an example of president trump working for the people if you needed it needed another example you have one so moving on we spent a good amount of time on that and some interesting news we're gonna pick on florida a little bit why not more news from NPR.org. Florida felons must pay fines before voting, says federal court. You hear about this? This is written by Alana Wise at NPR.org. And it's just interesting to me because voting, the idea of voting is, this is again where Republicans are very out of sorts on this issue. And the Democrats are very in tune with each other on this issue, which is very scary, but it's proof again of the disconnect. And what, what I'm getting at here is that the idea of voting is that we all matter. We all count. Now, obviously if you're a molester or rapist or something like that, I, I don't believe you should be voting. I don't believe you should have a say. Um, I think at that point you should be looking at the death penalty. Um, but that's a different discussion when it comes to somebody that's done a misdemeanor. Um, you know, you shouldn't have your voting rights taken away for that when it's coming to someone that's done a felony. Well, I don't think you should have your voting rights taken away from that. Unless, like I said, it's molesting a rape, a sexual assault, something like that. I think that would, uh, remove you from voting in my in my heart that would remove you from voting i wouldn't want to see you vote i wouldn't care to know what your political opinions are um or what any opinion you have is so the one thing everybody gets hung up on is murder so someone murders somebody should they still be able to vote i'd say to lump everybody together is not doing due diligence that's a case-to-case basis, but it's going to be hard to do it on a case-to-case basis, so they have to lump everybody together. So what they end up doing here is, is they say, okay, you commit a felony. Okay. Do your time. Pay your fines. You can vote. I'm not opposed to that. I don't think that's necessarily uh, the best uh, decision. I don't think it's a very happy medium, but I think that uh, I think Florida and Ronda and the governor down there, Ron DeSantis, he's a top-notch guy. I've I've heard him speak. I've seen what he's done, and I've read what I've needed to read about this man, and I like how he's operating the state of Florida. Put it plainly. So. The 11th Circuit Court of Appeals sides with Florida. And this is a controversial decision. 
So I think it's just interesting how far it's come to where this has been pushed into the higher court and then the higher court comes with their ruling and they say, you know, Florida, you you can vote if you were a felon, but you have to pay off your fines. I'm not against it, but I'm not really for it either. I'm kind of in this gray area where it's like, ah, eh, they could have did better with this. I just feel like they could have did better with it. What? I don't know. It's not my job to make that call, but if I was making that call, it would look different than that. It definitely would. We wouldn't have gone to the high court there. We would have taken care of that on a on a even playing field. But that's fine. The court sides with uh, the Republicans and Ron DeSantis there. I'm not against that. Like I said, I just not really for it either. So picking on Florida, like I said, I got one more for you. Here's an example of Democrats playing politics using political warfare to try and make Ron DeSantis look unprepared, to try to make Governor Ron DeSantis look unprofessional, uh, basically just to put him out there and uh, so they can throw uh, stones at him, right? So that's what they're doing here with uh, this next article that I'm going to give you from the centersquare.com. Written by, uh, published by John Hughley. Hughley. However you say that. Desantis, uh, he complies with the order given by the court. He names Grosshans to the Florida Supreme Court. So, what happened here was Ron DeSantis had to comply with an order that was given to him to select the new Supreme Court Justice. Everybody who's speculating, is he going to challenge this? Is he not going to challenge this? Is he going to go through with it? But what had happened was the Democrats, doing what they're good at, put the pressure on, on Grosshans, or put the pressure on DeSantis to nominate a Supreme Court Justice. So, let me get into this a little bit so I can this can make sense to you instead of allowing Florida Governor Ron DeSantis to properly vet a Supreme Court justice for Florida Supreme Court instead of allowing DeSantis to go at his own pace and make sure he was picking the best possible candidate he could the Florida Democrats and the outside funding forces of George Soros, and you know how it goes, people. Come on now. They pushed on this. They pushed on this. Uh, state representative of Florida, Geraldine Thompson. This individual is somebody that has tried to be a thorn in this nomination process that has been a thorn in uh, Governor DeSantis's side since he's been in charge in Florida, and it's not just Rep. Geraldine Thompson, the Democrat representing Winmere in Florida. This is all Democrats in Florida, and they they can't stand Governor Ron DeSantis. And the only reason they can't stand him is because he's a Republican, and he doesn't go along with what they like. It's the only reason. 
Gross Hans, 41 years old. University of Mississippi Law School graduate. Appointed to the Fifth Circuit Court in 2018 by uh, Governor Rick, Rick Scott during that time. Before that appointment, she was an Orange County judge in the Ninth Circuit. Now, DeSantis, not only did this backfire on the Democrats, I mean, not only did it backfire, this made DeSantis look so good in the spot. Vacancy is filled. Not only did he fill, fill the seat with a woman, he did it with a working class woman. Not someone from an elite family, not someone who was silver spoon, not someone who snubbed their nose at you at the lunch table, not one of those people. Someone who's a working mom. Good experience. Didn't have as much time as you wanted to properly vet all, all the people he was going to pick, but he was sure about Gross Hans. He was sure. You don't get a lot of people that are really sure about things in politics nowadays. It's very wishy-washy. Whatever their party likes is what they like. And I don't walk the party line. We're independent thinkers here on the Super Show, baby. Let's go. Working mom. Great experience. Served as a trial judge. She understands the law as it's written. The Constitution as it's written. And is looking to legislate. As a human being with the human element in mind. That's powerful, my friends. That's powerful. It's a really, really, uh, really good to see that even when the Democrats try to foil something good, the Republicans hold the line. Remember that. Remember that. All right. Remember, I said I got two clips coming up for you. Uh, we'll go one more story that's going to lead us into the first clip. So, Mini Mike. Bloomberg, this guy, filth candidate, Mr. Bloomberg News, Mr. Supposed to be unbiased, but your news channel only spits out left-wing propaganda. I mean, the finance stuff is okay, but they somehow they find a way to try to link that stuff back to Trump but never give him credit for when the stock market's good, only when it's bad. I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. The news channel's a wash. Uh, he's a wash, but he pledges $100 million to Biden's Florida campaign efforts. And I I guess people are uh, up in arms about it, but the Republicans do the same things. They pledge money to their candidates to support their candidates' causes. They all do it. The problem I have with it, and of course you know I have a problem with it because I don't like Bloomberg. I think he's a fraud. Uh, I think he's a fake. I think he's a con. I think he's a con man. I really do. And I think he's got this fake persona, like he's done good things for people because he has a lot of money and he likes to throw it around and puts his, you know what I mean? He likes to throw his weight around, right? He's a small mini Mike, mini small guy. 
Uh, he's not very uh, strong on anything. He really doesn't even understand what the Democrat Party is about. He did. He's kind of just there, just giving them money. Just what do you need? How do we win? How do you help me? Not for the people, not for you, not for me, not for us, for them. That's what Bloomberg's about. He's about the elite. So don't get it twisted. So he gets a nice hundred, uh, gives a nice uh, hundred million to Joe Biden's campaign in Florida because the campaign in Florida, uh, that Joe Biden has is doing terrible. It's all, it's doing awful right now. And there's no enthusiasm for Joe Biden. It's not there. It's not there to be found. It's not there to be had. It's not just going to suddenly appear because of a hundred million dollars. It's that that's going to have little bearing on the outcome of an election. But what it shows you is that the Democrats will spare no expense to blackball this president, to do everything they can to sway voters away from voting Trump this election. Now, don't be fooled so easily. Don't be so gullible like mini Mike Bloomberg, the failed mayor. The failed candidate. I mean, people look, look, it's so easy to look through this guy and just see that he's a fraud. I mean, I, I just, I can't understand, uh, the mentality of New Yorkers sometimes. Like, look at the people you put in office. And this is, it's not even close. It's a, by a landslide these people get in. I mean, the only place worse than that politically is Illinois because it doesn't matter uh, how downstate feels. It's all about Chicago, the elite. How can we help the rich areas in Chicago? How can we help the rich people in Chicago? Rich get richer, poor get poor. Same song and dance. But here's a, uh, a great clip. Remember I said uh, Joe Biden campaign not doing well in Florida. No enthusiasm. Uh, this is a little bit of a precursor. We got a clip here from NPR. Uh, this is from NPR.org. Here we go. The Trump campaign claims to knock on a million doors a week. The Biden campaign hasn't knocked on any doors for months. Instead, it has focused on outreach by phone and text. But the big unknown, as NPR's Asma Khalid reports, is whether any of that is as effective as pounding the pavement. So let me help out that uh, reporting. No, it's not as effective. Here, here's a uh, hundred million dollars Bloomberg just gives Biden for what? You're not paying people to knock on doors. Uh, you're not really paying people to work together because of social distancing and all these other things that Democrats are telling you and feeding you. So what is the money? What is a hundred million for? I mean, we, we won't know. We won't find out. They're going to blow that on lobster dinners. Uh, high dining, you know what I mean? Maybe a couple bags of kush, who knows? Uh, you know, maybe, maybe some really expensive wines, uh, maybe a whole lot of wines, you know what I mean? You never know. Boat, maybe they pull up a boat of wine coolers, uh, for old Sleepy Joe, but I don't really understand it. Um, you have one candidate, President Trump, the incumbent, and he is serious about winning. People knocking on doors, 
reaching out to people. They want to know how you're doing. I've gotten two Republican canvases in the mail where they've asked me real questions about what do I feel about different issues uh, on the political spectrum and different things uh, in my community. I've never received anything like that from the Democrats. And I, you haven't either. Um, and if you have, I'd be very surprised. But I, I look at this in such a funny way because how does this just not even matter to most people? Like $100 million, yeah, I get a, a Republicans, Democrats do it. But they're not even knocking on doors. They don't care. They're not, they don't want to talk to you. They don't want to see you. They don't want to do anything for you. The Democrats want your vote. And then, hey, we'll see you in four years. Trump was not wrong about that. He was not wrong when he said that. That is their approach. Do what you got to do. Say what you got to say. Win the election. In four years, we're going to blow it off. Allow all our minions to run around. The Soros-funded minions in all these different districts across the country. The uh, different uh, attorney generals funded by the George Soros organization. I mean, it's so deeply embedded in the political system that this has been going on for a long time. It didn't just come about uh, due to President Trump. But I will say one thing uh, before we move on here. Look at that picture. Just look at that picture. President Trump campaign knocking on doors. Want to talk to you. Want to see how you're doing. Want to know what your thoughts are. Joe Biden campaign and staffers not knocking on doors. They'll send you a text message. Basically, they're going to spam you. So you got the president. Uh, you got the the president Trump, right? Who is our president? Great leader. America first. Says it all the time. Uh, backs it up. Walks walks the talk. Talks talks what he walks. Walks the talk. You got Joe Biden, sleepy in the basement. I don't understand it. I don't know what the Democrats seen in him. Um, I I just don't. I really don't. I I think this is just a big farce, and they're going to look back on this and. It, they're just going to kick themselves for a long time because they allowed this idiot to run on their platform. And then he picks Kamala Harris as his vice president, who was like the first tossed aside, like freaking castaway. I mean, come on, really? Castaway Kamala Harris? This is who you picked? This is worse than the freaking Jersey Shore. I mean, come on, people, this is like a big reality stunt. Trump has this in the bag, but make sure you vote. And, uh, you know, when they talk about these poll numbers, polls, polls, the polls, a lot of it's BS. But I'll tell you one thing that I like. I like that Trump is not ahead in the polls because that is going to help rally support on November 3rd. So remember that. Keep that in mind. If he was ahead in the polls, people would probably take that day off thinking that we have it in the bag. Don't be too sure. Make sure you vote. We move on now. I hope you like that little little clip I threw in there for you. Um, we've got a few more things to get to before we get into sports. So, Illinois farmers are encouraged by recent sales to China, reported by the Center Square. Um, good reporting at the centersquare.com. I really enjoyed the centersquare.com. Published by Zeta Cross. Illinois farmers encouraged by recent sales to China. Trump getting no credit. 
gets getting no credit. And this is again what the Democrats do. Good things happen. President gets no credit, sweeping under the rug, wait for him to mess something up. That's what they do. They sit around and they literally just wait for this guy to mess something up so they can go all out about it. Um, it's just so ridiculous. It's, it's, it's really ridiculous. So we're going to get into one more clip here and, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Bitcoin. We're going to get into sports. And uh, that's going to be the show. So let me get into this next clip. I'm going to set this up for you here. Very smooth. And basically what's been going on is uh, I've written about this issue extensively. Uh, you can go read it on fancypreston.com. Uh, what an inaccurate census count means for Illinois. Um, it, it, it would not be good for us here in Illinois. We really need people to fill out the census. I'm not you know pitching it to you if you don't do it you don't do it but i i found it not to be an issue at all it's pretty simple to me but again i'm good on a computer so i mean i guess that kind of helps too but for most people i mean it's not that hard it's easy questions it's all stuff that you know because it's your house so or it's your household so you would know but we got some news coming out here on the census and I'm going to uh, share this news uh, with you. And we're going to talk about this. Uh, this is really important. We, we get uh, this across to people. So let's go ahead and uh, here's this clip. This is about the census. It's from NPR.org. Here you go. A special court in New York has ruled to block the Trump administration's attempt to change who counts in the numbers used to allocate congressional seats among the states. President Trump has called for immigrants in the country illegally to be left out. But the court ruled today that under federal law set by Congress, he cannot do that. So you heard it here. You heard it here. Listen to the language. Listen to the wording. All right. It's coded. It's coded for BS because they start off by telling you a special court. A special court in New York of all places. The freaking slimiest, the biggest rats, the stinkiest air. Well, California's got a big air quality problem going on, but that's neither here nor there. I'm telling you, listen to the wording. It's coded for BS. Trump is challenging this. He's going to challenge this. You, They want illegals to be counted. Illegal immigrants. They want illegal immigrants to be counted on the census. Along with people, hard, hard paying tax payers. They only want this. The Democrats only want this simply because it's more funding for their districts. More money for the Democrat districts. It's trickle up economics. They get the money in their districts. They give it to the people that are in power, that are in charge, that are going to get things done that they're looking to do. And they make sure those people get the money. Very simple. Very simple, folks. Very simple. There's no card up a sleeve. There's no trick up a sleeve. It's flat. Everything on the table. They are. The Democrats are all in when it comes to blocking Trump, to stopping Trump, 
and they're not having any success. They're having very little success at stopping our great president. A special court. I can't get over it. A special court. We needed oh, we needed that special court. Wow. What great insight they provided to us. Good job. Good job, special court. Because that was a real special. So we're moving to something a little bit lighter. Going to change directions here before we get into sports rundown. We talk about some exciting sports news for today. Um, some good games on tonight in the NBA. Even though I'm not a big fan of the NBA right now. I'm a sports fan. I'm not going to let this kneeling thing ruin it for me. Don't ruin it for me, people. Come on. I'm trying. I'm, I'm doing my best here. I'm just trying to watch some sports. I'm a fan. That's it. I have no ties to any of the teams. I have no interest in being tied to any of the teams. None. I don't want to be a part of their team. I am a fan. That's it. If they're not playing sports, if they're not talking about sports, I'm not interested. And that's exactly my stance on this issue. On the kneeling, on the social justice. They don't. These people, a lot of these people, ESPN, these talk show people, they don't even know what social justice is because they don't read their Bible. The Bible teaches us about social justice and social inequities in the world. It's there. It's there for you. You can read it. I encourage it. How many people own Bitcoin? I don't own any Bitcoin personally. I don't even know if I want to own it, any Bitcoin. But I like Bitcoin. I like what Bitcoin is about. I like what Bitcoin stands for. Eh, some people call it fake news. Some people call it fake currency. Some people call it monopoly money. Well, that monopoly money is real money. Actually, in gas station, uh, there's one out here that I found. And now I know actually a couple of them out here. But I looked into this and you can transfer Bitcoin to real money using an exchange uh, that they have in the gas station uh, right there. It's all programmed in. It's all touch screen. There's no card. There's no any of that. Digital. All digital. But it's real cash you can get. A little bit of a high exchange rate for the Bitcoin. But... You can turn it into real cash, and you can do it right at your local uh, convenience store, at least here. Now, people wondering about different uh, cryptocurrencies, not just Bitcoin. There's a lot of cryptocurrencies. The market's expanding. It's getting bigger. There's a lot of things that are happening with uh, cryptocurrency because decentralized finance is what America should have. What we have is a Federal Reserve System that practices trickle-up economics. So that's why, remember on uh, the last campaign, 2016, uh, Senator Ted Cruz? We got to abolish the Fed. We got to abolish the Fed. How many people are still saying that? Where are the people that are saying abolish the Fed? Abolish the IRS? Where are those people at? Those people need to come back around, like now, like yesterday. I mean, people, 
We've been fed this lie our entire life, this old-timey way of doing things, that it's if it's this way, this is just the way it gets done. That's such malarkey. It's BS. You know it's BS. We have to start getting creative. Not just lofty ideas, but actually getting creative. So, I really like Bitcoin. Some interesting news about Bitcoin, though. Something I didn't even know about until I researched it uh, for the show here. Cointelegraph.com. Very good website. This piece written by Samuel Haig. More than $1 billion in Bitcoin has been tokenized for DeFi. Now, if you don't know what DeFi is, um, it is a basically, basically like if I have Bitcoin and I tokenize that into DeFi, it's basically like I put my money on there. That's where I'm putting this money into. So the reason this is happening is because it's a way for people to make passive income. So you take Bitcoin, you put it into this DeFi, and then you're able to start making passive income. Now I'll explain a little bit about how that works. So let's say I have just a Bitcoin and I put it in this platform, this DeFi uh, Pulse, okay? It's called DeFi Pulse. So I put it in DeFi Pulse. <clears throat> what it does is it let it lets me lock up uh, my Bitcoin. And uh, basically I put it down on a token. And it allows the value represented by a user's Bitcoin to interact with smart contracts on the Ethereum network. So kind of cutting through that for people that are looking... To make money, <clears throat> when you put your money down on Bitcoin, uh, when you have your Bitcoin and you put it down on DeFi, you're tokenizing it. You're using their protocols, okay? So they have they're having a lot of growth here at DeFi Pulse because what's beginning to happen is people are taking their Bitcoin, their cryptocurrencies, and they're putting it to work. So instead of just letting it sit there, do nothing, they are putting it into a system that can garner them more money. Now, there's a lot of people that are taking this Bitcoin and pushing it over to DeFi, and they're expecting that to continue over the next few months, possibly next few years. And that is simply because of the passive income. You basically have Bitcoin or whatever crypto you have. You can manage it on here in the DeFi uh, apps that they have. Uh, they have a few different ones. And you can take this Bitcoin, put it down on, like, let's say there's some type of token or something that is making money basically like the regular stock exchange you put money down on something it goes up you get you make money off of that you cash it out and you've made a very nice return for yourself um and this is exactly the same thing you're taking your cryptocurrency you're putting it down on something some token 
some uh, sort of mechanism that you can make money off of, which is mind-blowing to think about that a digital currency like that can grow so fast. It really can. I mean, this is this has been proven. The flow charts, everything's here. But I'm just astounded that there are these different ways to make passive income um, that you're not going to hear about in the mainstream media. So people are taking their Bitcoin, they're putting it on DeFi. So to summarize it, you have your Bitcoin and you need somewhere to manage it. This is an exchange you can manage it on and all your cryptocurrencies. You basically have your cryptocurrency on here. You can uh, put yourself in a position to make more money on it. And what you'll do is you'll take your Bitcoin, you'll have it on here. You'll be able to maneuver that money to different assets, put your money down basically on other assets to gain more income. And that's the new passive way of income basically works like any exchange or any marketplace. And uh, this is the leading one is DeFi Pulse. So it's a great tool for people that are involved in cryptocurrency. And if I owned Bitcoin, I would be using this to manage it, using this to grow it. Basically, just all around, I would be on top of this DeFi Pulse. So DeFiPulse.com, you go check it out. Um, it's basically, like I said, like any other exchange in the stock market, this is a real nice tool. And I could see why people are flipping their money into it and tokenizing it for DeFi, getting ready to make more money on the Ethereum network. It makes a lot of sense. And uh, I mean, I, I just look at it and I say, this is impressive that this is how far we've come. We've come a long way. Very good stuff. Very interesting stuff. Uh, very happy for the future. Very excited for the future of this nation, of this country, of finance, and just everything in general. I'm very, very excited. And I hope you are too. You should be. Don't let everything else get you distracted from what matters. And that's progress. So, I've given you the politics of the day. I've given you some clips. We talked about Bitcoin. Overall. Pretty good day. So we're going to finish the show out with some sports. And well, we're just going to talk a little bit about uh, what's coming up tonight. So we've got two basketball games tonight. Uh, first game, Heat versus Celtics. That should be a good game. Um, I'm interested to see how Jason Tatum plays for the Celtics tonight against Bam Abadayo. Because... Miami's not really big inside, um, but they're very athletic. They have a lot of great uh, shooters, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Harrow. Um, Crowder from, from three is really, he's a good spot-up three-point shooter. Um, Boston's a good defensive team. Miami's a good defensive team. Both these teams shoot the ball well. Miami's a little bit better at shooting the ball, but... And Miami's better from three. Uh, but Boston, 
and their ability to get to the free throw line keeps them in games. Um, their ability to get hot late in games also keeps them alive and it's got them to this point. This is going to be a great series. Eastern Conference Finals, Miami versus Boston. Um, not many people probably expected that unless you were a fan of Miami and Boston. You probably didn't expect to play each other. Denver versus L.A. Uh, and let's not forget Jimmy Butler for Miami, right? He's having a great series. The over set at uh, 209. I like the over there. I don't see how these teams don't go over 100 apiece. Plus, like I'm thinking 110 apiece. Um, so I think, yeah, Miami probably wins at 112 to 110, something around there. Clippers versus Denver. This is game seven. Everything on the line. The Clippers are favorited. I don't know why they haven't impressed me in that series. They're not a very impressive team. Their bench is pretty weak. And Denver's a scrappy team. He's been taking teams to the wire and not really backing off. So I like that Denver team to come out on top. I picked. I went against them. In their last series. I thought they'd get beat by Utah. Came down to the last game. They end up beating Utah. Surviving. But this game. I just look at a little bit different. I say you got. A Denver team. Who. I just feel like is playing for more than a Clippers team. With Kawhi Leonard who. Might have a big game. And then again he might not. I mean, uh, I'm not 100% sure on how he's going to perform in this game. I'm really not. And that's not a good thing. Over under 208 and a half. I like the over there, too. If you get a 105, 109 game, I mean, there you go. Or 105, 104 game. Boom. You're in there. Money. I think it's headed that way. I think you might see an overtime. Or you might see the Clippers fall apart here. Possible. Denver's a better shooting better shooting team. They both give up about the same amount of points. Around 109. Both about the same amount of turnovers. It's pretty even. Clippers are better rebounding team. That makes sense. Clippers score more points. 116.3. Denver scores about 111 per game. So yeah, this has all the makings of an over. I like this over better than the Miami-Boston, even though I think that goes over too. Because I think both... I think in the game one, now that these teams are pretty fresh, I think that you're going to see that go for a while. That's not going to slow down. So I wanted to recap some NFL since Sunday and Monday's games are done. Um, we talk a little bit about them. And really just what I wanted to pick at was I really was impressed with the Packers. Great job from Aaron Rodgers. Four touchdowns, over 300 yards passing, great passer rating. You know the deal. Beat the Vikings 4-3-34 to to in Minnesota, by the way. Cam Newton, big return. They beat the Dolphins 21-11. to The Dolphins still suck. 
Kansas City Chiefs beat the Houston Texans. I thought Houston would play a lot better than they did. They are looking like they're not going to have a good year. It's not looking good for Houston. Cleveland versus Baltimore. Cleveland, they can you can put anybody on Cleveland. They still still suck. Doesn't matter. It's just the, the franchise is it's cursed. That franchise is cursed, and there's no way around it. Baltimore, thirty eight points in the freaking opener against Cleveland Browns six with Baker freaking Mayfield. I told you that I'm not big on Baker Mayfield. I think he's a fraud. I really do. I think he's a fraud. I think he was a great college quarterback, and like a lot of college quarterbacks, they just don't have what it takes to be an NFL quarterback. I don't think he has what it takes. I really don't. And he has the way he has weapons. Like I said, you can put anybody on the Browns. They're still going to lose. They're going to lose a lot of games. Buffalo beat the Jets. I've seen that coming. Buffalo, Bills Mafia is what their fans call them. Um, I, I, I think this Buffalo team is for real. I think they should be the favorite to uh, win their division. No doubt. The Jets still suck. You got Le'Veon Bell. You got all these different weapons. Your quarterback, Sam Darnold. That's just a joke. Frank Gore had like 24 yards rushing. I don't know about that. Might be time to uh, hang it up. Las Vegas versus Carolina. Thought Carolina would get that one. Should have figured they'd suck too. Well, they did score 30 points. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had two touchdowns. Teddy Bridgewater played a decent game. I just don't like this Raiders team. I don't like Derek Carr. He thinks he's a hot shit. And I, I just, I don't see it, man. I think he's a doofus. The If it wasn't for Josh Jacobs' three touchdowns, they don't win that game. If Josh Jacobs doesn't tear up that Carolina Panthers' weak-ass defense, they, they don't win that game. But now you know the Carolina Panthers' defense is fraudulent. Frail. Frail defense. Seattle dominates Atlanta. I don't know. People were expecting Atlanta to be good this year. I don't expect them to do much. I think they suck, too. Matt Ryan, great regular season quarterback. Terrible playoff quarterback. and He's pretty much showing you that again. Pretty much showing you that he's a great regular season quarterback. He threw for 450 yards, they still lost. He threw the ball 54 times, they still lost. I mean, come on, people. The Falcons suck. Julio Jones almost ran. <laughs> Fucking guy almost ran for 200 yards, and they still lost. Come on, man. The leading rusher for the Seahawks was Russell Wilson, the quarterback. Come on, man. <laughs> what a what a duker of a team the falcons are man i knew you can't put anything past russell wilson that russell wilson pete carroll combination is going to win a lot of ball games i don't care i don't like pete carroll but he's a good coach philadelphia eagles versus washington football team whatever who cares about those guys they did beat the, the fraudulent eagles Carson freaking Wentz. What a freaking nothing burger that is. Leading rusher for Philly was Boston Scott. Who the hell? Some what is that a walk on? Practice squad guy? Nine attempts, thirty-five yards. And the Washington wasn't much better. Would they have nine attempts for thirty-six yards? Yeah, I don't know. 
But I know if you get outdueled by Dwayne Haskins Jr., you're not that good. Uh, Dallas Goddard was the best player the Eagles had on the field for that game. Washington football team, who would have thought they won their first game? Bears beat the Lions. What a disappointing game for the Lions. It was a it was a disappointing game for three quarters for the Bears. They didn't do anything for three quarters. They got two field goals in three quarters of play, and then a fourth quarter they decided they were gonna t- they were gonna do something about that. They scored twenty one points against a Lions defense that's completely crap. Sucks, and they could only get six points in the first three quarters against them. Not good. Not looking good for NFC, the NFC North this year. I don't like how the Bears look. I don't like how the Lions look. I don't like how the Vikings look. The Packers are good, but they already have, they're already starting to add up the injuries. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, man. These guys don't can't stay healthy or what? I mean, what are we doing here? So Trubisky throws three touchdowns. Everybody's just freaking out. Oh, wow. But you don't forget, the Lions had the game-winning touchdown, and the guy dropped it. That game was the Lions. They they literally would have won. And the guy dropped the game-winner, so I don't know. David Montgomery running for the Bears. That's <clears throat> I'm sorry, Bears fans. You You were fooled. He's not any good. And you were better off picking up Adrian Peterson who ran better than Montgomery with about the same attempts. So, yeah, sorry, Bears fans, you were fooled again. Your front office sucks, and that has been that way for a long time. Not going to change anytime soon. Phillip Rivers on the Colts just doesn't look right to me. They lose to the Jaguars with uh, Gardner Minshew leading the way for the Jaguars. He had a good game. He threw three touchdowns. Young, young kid, man. He only he was nineteen for twenty though. He's accurate. And uh, Philip Rivers, how about hand the ball off, dude? Threw the ball forty six times. Got one touchdown, three hundred sixty three yards. I mean that, like, that that's impressive. But your running back Naeem Hines, you know, because uh, Marlon Mack out for the season now. So Naeem Hines, seven attempts, twenty eight yards, and a touchdown. That's what, like, you got, you could have really gave him some more carries here. But I don't know what Indy's really doing with that situation there. But all I know is Indi- Indianapolis, the Colts have weapons. And they're just, you bring in Phillip Rivers and you still can't beat the Jaguars. That just doesn't, it's not a good start, put it that way. Chargers hold on to beat the Joe Burrow Bengals. Joe Burrow getting a taste of that NFL officiating late in that game. Well, you know. What do you expect? Tyrod Taylor for uh, the Chargers. Probably the worst option at quarterback the Chargers could have. I don't know what they expect is going to happen with that this year. Um. I don't know. I don't know what the Chargers expect. I don't really know what the Bengals expect either. They just thought they were going to bring Joe Burrow in there and all of a sudden everything starts working out. That that whole mentality of we just need a great quarterback and everything else is going to come together, it doesn't work in the NFL anymore. 
That's that's that old timey way of thinking. Like the quarterbacks, we just need a good quarterback and we're fine. Uh, you need a lot more than a good quarterback in the NFL nowadays. So I don't know about this Bengals team, but I wasn't impressed. Joe Burrow had one good drive in that whole game. One. Don't let the Bengals fans fool you. They're they don't know what they're talking about. He had one good drive. He didn't throw a touchdown the whole game. He threw a pick. Uh, he ran a touchdown in because he's, you know, about to get smashed in the fucking backfield. But other than that, that was a duker of a game. The Chargers held on to win because I think, uh, what is that? The Bengals kicker came out there to tie it, send it to overtime, and he pulled his hamstring. That's just ugly, man. Just ugly. Cardinals hang on to beat the 49ers. Uh, I suspected that could happen. But I didn't know if it would happen. But I think the, not even the injuries caught up with San Francisco, just the lack of creativity. Like, they took forever to get Kittle involved, and then when they did get him involved, he got banged up a little bit, and he was out. And then Jimmy Garoppolo never looked comfortable in the pocket that game. And to be fair, Kyler Murray really didn't look comfortable in the pocket either. I mean, he ran a ton. He almost ran for, you know, he was a leading rusher for the Cardinals. He ran for 91 yards 13 times. He ran the ball. Even ran in a touchdown. You know what I mean? So, your quarterback's running a lot. That's dangerous. Same thing for the 49ers. That's dangerous, man. In the NFL on this level. You know, it's just very, very dangerous. But the Cardinals hang on the win. Very impressive. Very impressed with uh, Hopkins. I don't know if anybody expected him to be as good as he was, even Cardinals fans. I don't know if they expected that. But Larry Fitzgerald, still there. And then it's really thin at wide receiver for Arizona. Like I said, I don't see that team going very far. I just I think they can win about eight games. I think they're right about at eight games, eight or nine games, maybe nine now that they beat the 49ers. Things get a little bit easier, but NFC West is going to be tough. Tampa Bay loses to New Orleans. Just an ugly game from Tom Brady. Just ugly, stupid playing. Uh, Gronkowski, that was a big nothing. Uh, the best type, the best player on the field for the Buccaneers was uh, the running back Jones, who he really didn't do much. But then to OJ Howard, OJ freaking Howard, he caught four passes, only thirty six yards, but he had a sweet touchdown. And he's a big, bigger guy too. And he kind of juked out the defender and went to the corner in the end zone and caught that. That was a nice move. They needed more of that. They need more OJ Howard, Tom Brady. You know, if Gronk's if Gronk's open or you think he's got a good matchup, obviously you throw it to him. But really, I wasn't impressed. You didn't do enough with Leonard Fournette. You didn't get him involved enough. One catch, ran the ball five times. You didn't get five yards. I mean, come on. It's like nothing. Drew Brees, obviously he was going to do his thing. He's not going to let anything slow him down. He was 18 for 30, 160 yards and two touchdowns. I think we're seeing the Drew Brees now in his career a lot like Aaron Rodgers, just a game manager. He's not looking to go and 
put the whole team on his back anymore. He's just trying to manage the game, just keep it in front of him. Smart decisions, check down routes, make it work. And I don't think anybody runs that system that New Orleans does. Like, they couldn't bring a guy in there to duplicate that. Like, what Drew Brees is doing there for New Orleans is special. And New Orleans, you Saints fans need to get cut him some slack because that is, he's a really special quarterback. And um, you never know in in the NFL. Teams get hot later in the year. All of a sudden, that team's playing in the NFC Championship game. So you never know what's the Saints. But they look good right now. They look really good right now. Rams versus Dallas. What a duker. I I said over. I said this is going to go over. And it went under. I just don't get this Cowboys team. What else do the Cowboys need? You got a new coach. You got your quarterback. You know what he brings. Got one of the premier runners in the league. Okay. You got two 1,000-yard receivers returning. You got a brand new rookie. You got some good weapons on tight end. I think it's just the Cowboys' defense is just not that good. I just don't think the defense is good. As I watch the game, like Ezekiel Elliott would have a flash here, have a flash there. Ran well. Prescott played okay. He didn't throw any interceptions. Didn't, you know, wasn't making big mistakes. But Jared Goff, he didn't even throw a touchdown and they won. That just doesn't make any sense. You tell me. If you told me Jared Goff's not even going to throw a touchdown, you you came back from the future and you said, Jared Goff's not going to throw a touchdown tonight. And you left. I would say, okay, well, the Cowboys are going to win that game. And the Rams end up winning. Now, to be fair, on pickskin, pick them on ESPN.com. I picked the Rams to win this game. thought the score would be higher, though. And the reason I like the Rams is because you got Cooper Cup just signed the extension. You got Tyler Higby, uh, who had a good year last year. You got new receiver Van Jefferson Jr. from Florida, who I watch carefully because I'm a Florida Gator fan. You got Robert Woods, a receiver who had a big day. Six catches, 105 yards. And the running back is just this weird committee approach with Brown and Akers. It's weird. It's a weird thing that the Rams have going on in the backfield. I, I don't know how long that's going to work for them. But they did. They were able to beat the Cowboys. I know Dallas fans are best. Pittsburgh beats the Giants. I had that one. I knew Pittsburgh would beat the Giants. I like uh, Saquon Barkley or Shaquan. I try to get it. I'm doing my best with these people's names. But the running back for the Giants, he ran the ball 15 times for six yards. This is a guy... ESPN was ready to put him in top 100, top, you know, I mean, no, in no time. You know, one year they were ready to throw this guy into that. And what did he do in his first game at home? Oh, this is a home opener. You telling me this guy ran the ball 15, 15 carries for six yards? And his longest was a, a run of seven, so he lost a yard? 
Oh my goodness. Giants are in trouble. Daniel Jones threw the ball 41 times through two touchdowns and two picks. It's not, it wasn't pretty. They don't have the talent. The Giants aren't a deep team. Their defense sucks. Their offense is whack. Their special teams is whack. Fade the Giants is my advice to you. Pittsburgh, they did some things in that game I was impressed with. Roethlisberger threw a really nice touchdown pass. That's the nicest touchdown pass I've seen him throw in two years. So there's something there. I still don't think he's going to make it through this season. I'm not trying to jinx you Steelers fans. I don't think you care if Roethlisberger even is the guy or not. I don't know. Maybe you do. But I just don't. I don't see him, man. He's slow. When he start, when they when they force him out of the pocket, he's slow and he's not. He's never been great at protecting himself. You got the Titans versus Denver. Somehow Denver found a way to lose this game more than the Titans found a way to win. Like Drew Locke, they're going to tell you that he played a good game and he really played a good quarter. He played a good fourth quarter. But for three quarters of that game, he was atrociously bad. I mean, he was awful. Melvin Gordon, leading rusher. Phillip Lindsay really didn't do much. Ten pound of muscle on his frame didn't make a difference. Um, right, he added that was a big news story. Phillip Lindsay added ten pounds of muscle to his frame, and it got him how many yards? Twenty four yards. Okay, yeah, maybe should have went with speed. Maybe should have went speed over muscle. I don't know. Tannehill, the crafty veteran, threw the ball 43 times, 29 completions, two touchdowns, no picks. It's a veteran, man. That's the vet. It's not pretty. It's not very exciting. Derrick Henry ran the ball 31 times for 116 yards. Took him 31 tries because a lot of that game he was shut down until late in the game. Defense started wearing down. I mean, we had a great day of football. We got a great week of football coming up. But I just felt it to be lacking. I felt it to be missing the excitement. I see a lot of people saying, well, not having any fans at the game hasn't ruined my experience. Well, okay. I'm glad it hasn't ruined your experience, but it's very cringy. It's cringy. There's no audience. There's no people. People pay to see this. And now the people can't. It's just, you know, the NBA doing the virtual fans is so stupid. The artificial noise. The, I mean, come on, people. It just, it's lacking. Even at the Kansas City Chiefs game. All they did was try to make the fans out to be bad people. That's all they did. Oh, the fans booed uh, when they need for the national anthem. What did you expect them to do? I'm sorry? This is America? I'm an American? And you're kneeling for the national anthem. Uh, I'm not going to pat you on the back, dude. Uh, You're lucky that we got some distance between us because that is some of the most disrespectful shit I've ever seen. And you want to tell me about race relations and uh, how about, how about just people relations? How about just 
our relation between me and you. The fan and the player. It's being seriously fractured. I don't blame people for not watching. Hell, it's hard for me to watch. The only reason I watch is because it's a it's it's a it's a part of my business, but also I'm a fan. And I'll never let somebody or someone or something ruin what I enjoy. That's the way I look at life. You can't phase me, son. Like John Cena, remember John Cena, you can't see me. You can't phase me. It has no bearing on my life, whether you kneel for that anthem or not. But it is disrespectful, no matter what you try to say and cover it up and do whatever you want. I'm looking at your actions. And I'm judging you based on your actions. And based on your actions, these NFL players, these NBA players, and anybody who kneels for that flag, based on your actions, I am judging you as a coward. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, this was a magnificent show, a wonderful opportunity for me to speak with you all. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed making it and editing and producing it and getting it up on the internet and marketing it all myself, all myself, people. There's no team. There's no crew. Independent babies. Preston Super Show, baby, let's roll. But the Super Show comes to a halt for now. And just like the hands of time, I'm turning it over to you. Good night, everyone.